that today is Trent Vineyard's 20th birthday. And uh, we're sort of devoting the service to celebrating that. And uh, as Debbie and I have reflected on what has happened here over 20 years, we are just absolutely amazed. This is way beyond anything we ever dreamed of. And uh, God has been so gracious over the years. It's been absolutely extraordinary. 20 years ago, 10 of us set out with a dream and a, you know, a God-given calling to start a church in this city. We moved from London, and uh, we're thrilled to say that each of those 10 are members of the church here today, which is an amazing thing. Yeah, applaud them. They're not all present here tonight, but, you know, those seeds sown have now had a return of many, many hundredfold each, I guess. One couple who joined us in the very first month and who didn't get a mention just now or applauded just now uh, for their massive contribution in helping the church get to where it is uh, into the future are Tom and Helen Murphy. If you wouldn't mind standing, let's applaud them. <laughs> some of you have been with us for a long time, maybe through the times, thick and thin. We've certainly seen some changes over the years. Some of them have been great fun. Some of them have been really tough. But um, perhaps you were here when we moved from rented venue to rented venue. We were in one for nearly seven years. And uh, some of you remember arriving really early in the morning to clear up because uh, Notts County Football Stadium, the banqueting suites, they would have parties, sometimes in three or four rooms on a Saturday night into the middle of the you know, small hours. And then it's like, Trent are coming, we don't need to clear up. So we would arrive there and there would be chicken bones and cigarette ends and vomit and spilt drinks and ever glasses everywhere. And we'd have to do all that before we could even begin to set up the children's work and the service. Or perhaps you were here when we gave money to buy this land and then we built this warehouse, and then more people came, and so we had to extend it and make it nearly like 60 70% bigger. And then we bought more land, and we have the other facilities for the youth and the arches on site uh, over time. Others of you have joined us fairly recently. Some of, you, some of you are here for the first time tonight, and you, you may be wondering about joining us. Every year, God has brought more people to become part of this extended family, and we thank God for every one of you. And uh, we're delighted that you have come. We're delighted, those of you who have stayed, that you've chosen to be a part of fulfilling this vision that God gave, has given to all of us. We're all on a mission together. I'm going to hand over to Debbie. He'll say a little bit, and then I'll come back. My beautiful wife, Debbie Wright. He's such, such a flirt. Anyway... <laughs> Well, um, no doubt about it, this was God's idea. And God confirmed again and again to us that it was Nottingham. There were many prophetic words uh, that led to us uh, making that step. And I remember uh, one night when we were in the process of selling our house in London and trying to buy a house up here, and I was gripped with fear at the anxiety of what we were giving up uh, with no promise of anything getting established here, whether it would um, take off, whether people would come, all those things. And um, as I kind of cried out to God in my desperation, I remember he gave me this picture. And I was in the picture, I was standing in front of a bay window, and it was nighttime. And uh, in the night, all I, all I could see were these lights on in houses. And I felt God say, there are people right now waiting in Nottingham for the kind of church I want to establish. And it was a very strong sense that, Debbie, you can make a choice. You can be obedient, 
or, you, or someone else will do this. Uh, but I have a plan for Nottingham, and I want to do something there. And uh, sure enough, we came, and um, there, were no, not, there wasn't any internet in those days. And so it was amazing that through word of mouth, uh, people began to call us. And they would say, God has spoken to us. God has told us that we're supposed to come and help you. And uh, it was abundantly clear that that was the case. And we had our first meeting with more folks than we were expecting. We had to hire somewhere. And amongst the, the people that came, there were unbelievers, which was very exciting to us. But I remember that first uh, meeting, there was um, uh, a prophetic word that was given out loud. It was very dramatic. And the woman who spoke it out, she said something to this effect. You have sown, but have not reaped. But now you will reap where you haven't sown. And it's a word that's taken from, you know, the parable of the sower. That, you know, there are times when the sower scattered the seed and it fell on different kinds of soil. Some took root, some didn't. But we had toiled in London, and uh, we may not have seen the fulfillment of the fruit. We may not have, there were times when nothing seemed to happen, things were slow. But in Nottingham, it turned out that things were going to be very different, and they really were. Things began to flourish from the outset, and it has been an amazing thing. I remember some weeks later, a gentleman called me, and he said, Debbie, you need to know this is going to be a large church. And in my mind, large was maybe 300. And uh, he said, no, it, it, you know, you're, it's going to be much bigger than you realize. You, you may even have trouble finding venues. You may have to even have to make a venue. And uh, I remember just being kind of shocked at that sort of word because it was early on. and There were probably only 50 of us at that time. And, uh, and yet it was apparent that this was something God was doing. God was stirring people. God wanted to do something. But I just want to finish this by saying, that actually our gratitude goes to many, many people who may never know how their prayers were answered. We were part of the answer to the prayers of the saints that went before us. Years ago, before we came up to Nottingham, um, there was a woman called Ruth Bustle. She was part of the Christian Center, now called Heart Church, and she had a vision for prayer in Nottingham, and she was given permission to get this ministry going. And because of this ministry that she began about, of prayer, there were these posts in the north, the south, the east, and the west of Nottingham set up in different churches. And years and years, decades of prayer went into this city. And um, when we first came to Nottingham, leaders across this city said to us, oh, don't come to Nottingham, it's a really hard place. Uh, leaders get sick in Nottingham. Uh, they start suffering from depression, they get sick, they get ill. You do not want to come to Nottingham. But we knew that God had called us, so we had to uh, come and be part of what God wanted to do. And, um, and yet, actually, um, we realized that because of those prayers, things were changing, and that we came to a city where... The, to the, the toil and the labor that had gone in with prayer had sort of softened the ground. And actually, I would say today that leaders in this city talk about the unity in this city. And the, the churches have flourished. Churches like Cornerstone, uh, Grace Church, St. Nick's, Heart Church now, and many others. And there are new churches going to be planted in Nottingham. It's an exciting place to be, to be part of what God is doing and to be able to express his love and to continue to do that. So glory be to God. I'll hand back to John. <laughs> it's just been amazing uh, the people that God has brought to us the gifting that he's invested in this church the resources you know the areas of ministry that have started just 
we have to pinch ourselves to even believe half of what God has done here. And it's been a privilege to send out from here couples and teams to other parts of the nation and beyond to the nations and to plant churches uh, as far south as Bristol, as far north as Newcastle, around the nation. And we're just so grateful that we can stand here today in celebration of what God has done over these 20 years. Now, we've made a little uh, timeline video, which we're about to show you. This is just some highlights from the last 20 years.
We dreamt of a church that would reach out to those in need, that would change lives, that would serve our city with generosity and with compassion. A church that would be home to people, no matter what their background. A church that would be worshipful and expectant. A church we could bring our friends to, that would be welcoming, that would be accepting. And we're not a perfect church by any means, but we are delighted to be part of a church which I believe, by God's grace, is all those things. And we must never forget that this is God's enterprise. This is God's church. It is God's idea. And uh, the piece of artwork over there on the left, on the front wall, it comes from Psalm 127, and it's verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. I love the way the message translation of the Bible puts that. If God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. So it's, you know, we would only be building a shack without God's help here, no matter how early we got up and how late we worked. Basically, what the beauty of what we are part of is because God has built it. He's done it. The church hasn't become what it is through some strategic plan, through lots of effort. We have really, since the beginning, simply done our very best to follow where God is leading and to go with the many challenges and the surprises that have come along the way. On Friday night, um, Debbie and I watched a film which has just come out, and it came up on the television, just come out, so we watched it. It's a film about Mother Teresa, who we had no idea the timing that today in Rome, Pope Francis made uh, Mother Teresa a saint in the Catholic Church. Anyway, this film was called The Letters of Mother Teresa, who was acted by Juliet Stevenson. Pretty low-budget film, uh, but absolutely profound. And what was evident in her life and what came across clearly in the film was that this order of nuns that she established, the missionaries of charity, who cared for the sick, the dying, cared for people in the slums, the outcasts, the lowest caste of society, people who could die with dignity and so on, uh, this organization was really all about one person. And it wasn't Mother Teresa. It was all about the person of Jesus. The incredible impact of the missionaries of charity was propelled by love and obedience to Jesus, which thousands of nuns gave their lives to. And it's similar here at Trent. What God has done here really is all about one person, Jesus. It is not about particular people. It was fun to celebrate a number of people at the beginning here and not subtracting anything from that. But it's not about particular people who may have played, may have played some leading roles, but about the lives of thousands of people propelled by love for Jesus and people doing their part. Now, as this film ended, the credits began to roll. It was the end of the film. The screen was black with white lettering, as I recall. And it was just naming the actors and the directors and the producers and various people who played key parts. But as I was watching it, it just kept on rolling and rolling. And there were more and more and more names. I've never counted how many names there might be on the credits of a film. I don't know whether any of you have, but I don't know what you'd guess. A few, a few dozen names specifically. Um, who knows? But this just went on and on and on. And I was enjoying the music. It was Leona Lewis singing, run, light up, light up. But it just kept going. And it was mentioning people by name, and it mentioned the slum kids. So it was filmed in a slum, and I guess they got lots of people who weren't actually actors, but they got them to act little parts. They were mentioned, 
by name. Stand-ins was one category with loads of people by name. Everyone in front of the camera, everyone who'd been behind the camera, it seemed, all playing their part. They didn't actually mention the person who made the bacon rolls for the driver of the guy who kept the camera bags tidy, but it was pretty nearly to that level of detail that they were honoring those who'd taken part. And so I got myself, I, I was so impressed by this and struck by it that I rewound back to the beginning of the credits. I got a pen and paper and I sat there and I, as fast as I could, I went one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, and I carried on through. And then I was shocked as I got to the end of that to total it and discovered there were over 500 individuals named in those credits. And then there were also groups in addition to that that were named. And here at Trent, we are the church we are, and we've done things that we've done because our focus has been Jesus and his work, and so many people have played their part. And we would love to be able to name every individual who has contributed to Trent being the church it is and doing the work it's done. Indeed, there are many people in the church now, but over the years, probably thousands of people have been part of Trent Vineyard and are now many of them somewhere else in this country or abroad. So we can't, like the film credits, we can't name every person who's helped and, and uh, contributed to the church. Time doesn't permit that tonight. But whether you are recognized by name or simply serve Jesus unnoticed, know that God sees and is thrilled with you. And we want to thank you and we thank God for you, every one of you. The media team have put together a little film of some of you talking about what the church means to you. Trent Vineyard is a great place for my daughter to learn about Jesus. It's a place where I found a new support system. It's just an incredible place. Trent is where we learn about Jesus. It's a place where I have a family. It's a place where I first discovered Jesus. Trent is where I play games. Trent is welcoming. It's the place where I belong. It's my church. It's a fabulous place to be. It's inspiring. Trent means the world to me because it teaches me about God. Trent Vineyard to me uh, is like a second home in Nottingham. Trent Vineyard provides lots of opportunities. It's a place where people meet together to encourage each other to go into communities and share Jesus. A place where you can hang out and particularly if you've just had another child, not this one, is a place to come and have a rest and let this one come and play. It's great. I love Trent because I love to play football there and I met Jesus for the first time. It's a place where you can really feel Jesus in the worship. A dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Church is where I worship God. A safe place for me to meet with people who share the same beliefs and values as I do. Trent is amazing, she can make lots of new friends. I love to come to church with my family. Trent Vineyard is such a loving community and it really has changed my life. Trent Vineyard is where I've been my whole life. Somewhere I feel very welcomed and feel like family. I like Trent Vineyard because I like to sing. Trent Vineyard, it's family, it's community, it's everything. I love Trent because Trent has donuts. Trent Vineyard is where I discovered what I love doing. Home. Oh. I love Trent because I've got a great group of friends. I like Trent because I like Trent. Trent Vineyard's a fabulous family and I'm glad to be part of it. Amazing, great and fun and a good way to interact with God. Trent Vineyard is where I did the gap year and where I met amazing friends. I love church because we learn about God. 
I love Trent because I get to go to small group on Tuesday with all my friends. Trent Vineyard is the place where I develop my passion for youth work. The one place I look forward to coming to the most every week. I love my friends! Sorry, what's this about? This is, this is what we're talking about. Sorry. Oh, tell me. Okay. Okay, I want to tell you the real truth about Trent Vineyard. <laughs> So we're now going to hear from a few of our members, family members, who are going to share something of their experience of being a part of this church, whether they have been with us all their lives, a few months, or for many years. So would you first of all please welcome Dennis Emmanuel. Good evening, everyone. Hold the mic too close. <laughs> Um, hi guys. Um, well, I guess my story starts um, at the back end of last year. Uh, I was down in London. Um, you may have guessed I'm, I'm from London. And um, just in terms of my life, um, I just kind of hit a, a brick wall. I was physically exhausted, uh, mentally drained. I was going through a career change which I was really struggling with at the time. And the well had run sort of a little bit dry at the place where I was worshipping. So I really knew that I needed a change in my life. And... Um, it was tough because the more I prayed, it felt, like, it felt like God wasn't speaking. So I was really in a place of confusion as well. I didn't know what the change I needed looked like. But um, thank God that I have a big sister who uh, bosses me around a little bit. <laughs> uh, her name's Daphne. You may know her uh, in the church. Um, so she said, look, Dennis, come up to Nottingham. Take a few weeks out. You know, refresh yourself. Take your time and then, you know, figure out your way from there. Decide what you want to do. So I came up here and uh, visited Trent, was really touched um, by, the, by the love I was shown, and I thought, well, what a great church. But I had in my mind, well, I'm, I'm just passing through, I'm gonna, gonna head back to London in a few days' time. Every time I tried to head back to London, something came up uh, to stop me. I felt like I was running into a brick wall. So, you know, I, I was here, kept on visiting Trent. Then one evening, uh, towards the end of last year, really changed everything. A gentleman named Simon Gillibound was, uh, was given a talk here, uh, I, I came in the evening service, and it just said one sentence which hit me down to the core. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but it was along the lines of believing God dangerously and letting go and just allowing him to lead you. And I just knew it was for me. I just knew that God was speaking to me about the next stage, the next chapter of my life, and I said, okay, I'm letting go, God, I'm trusting you, and I'm, I'm seeing what this Trent thing's all about and nothing's all about. So I let go, and gradually, over the months, coming to church, building relationships with people here, it's almost like I'm rediscovering Jesus um, and what, who he is to me. And, you know, I can truly say I've rediscovered my peace, my sense of peace, my sense of composure and, and clarity. So I just want to encourage anybody out there tonight, whether you're new to your faith or whether you're going through a difficult time and you're just like, God, what is going on? Um, trust God, you know, let go, let him lead you, and uh, he, can, he can lead you home, because he, he did that to me. So thank you. Thank you so much. Would you please welcome Hannah Simmons? 
and I'm 18. I started coming to Trent when I was a few months old, uh, when the church moved to the Notts County grounds. Obviously, I can't really remember much from them, but I do remember moving to this building when I was about six. Um, I can't believe how much it's grown since then, and it's basically a second home to me. When I was about eight or nine, I saw this girl's leg grow at New Wine, which was the first time that I'd seen God do anything amazing like that. Um, and then a couple of days later, I heard a guy speaking in tongues for the first time, and I think it was at the end of that week that I gave my life to God. When I was in year seven, I started going to Trent Youth, which was in the KLG, uh, which is where the arches are now. I remember the only times we were in the main building, we always set off the smoke alarm because we burnt the toast. A few years later, we were given the youth centre, which was just amazing. And when I was at school, people just couldn't believe that our church had a climbing wall, and that was genuinely fun. Something that's really helped me grow in my faith is being part of a kids' micro group and a youth small group. It gave me the chance to make some really close friends and have some adults that I could trust. Something that I've always enjoyed is getting involved with things, and since my mum and dad have helped out on different teams for as long as I can remember, I've found lots of opportunities too here. <coughs> I've been helping out with Vineyard Kids for years, uh, which has been loads of fun, but slightly stressful at times. It was so good to see other leaders there giving tricky situations to God and giving up their time to look after someone else's child. I've been serving in youth by helping out with a small group and playing keys in the band for a few years. Um, last Christmas was the first time I helped out on refreshments, and you don't realise just how much work gets put into every area to make everyone feel welcome and for the services to run smoothly until you actually help out with it. It's something that I've always loved about Trent. People help each other, and are happy to serve God and other people. When you're part of youth, you hear about DTI, The Weekend Away, and Soul Fiber a lot. The first time I really felt God's presence strongly myself was at DTI a few years ago. I was questioning if God was real and actually here, and he answered that at DTI, telling me that he's always with me. After that, I started to notice him a whole lot more in the things around me. All the way through my GCSE exams, my favorite place to go was this wood on top of a hill called Sharp Hill, and I just loved going here to get some quiet and feel close to God. Some of the things that I've seen God do are just amazing. I've seen people's scars be healed, someone getting out of a wheelchair, people's legs growing, and heard about so many more miracles that are just insane. When I was at school, I was always very open about my faith. I wasn't bullied for it or anything. Uh, people just seemed genuinely interested and asked a lot of questions. Now that school is finally over, I'm going to be doing the Trent Gap Year. I was originally going to go straight to uni and do occupational therapy but I just felt like last year at Soul Survivor, God wanted me to do the gap year, and that feeling just didn't go away, so I chose to trust God. I was slightly confused at first, because if I went this year, the course would be funded for by the NHS, but it makes more sense now, because one, I didn't want get one of the grades that I needed, and two, I want my faith to be a lot stronger before I go away. I'm really looking forward to the gap year, and I'm really excited to see what else God's gonna do with this church family. The next one comes on the screen. So, okay, from, from as young as I can remember, I was brought to church. Um, I went to a few churches before I landed here at Vineyard. Um, and, and then when I actually came to Vineyard, I went all the way through the youth, Soul Survivor, Momentum, New Wine. In fact, Momentum wasn't around then, Soul Survivor, New Wine. 
Um, wicked, loved it, I had a great time at, at Trent, Trent Youth. So from 17 leaving Trent Youth, um, I pretty much went into a crazy lifestyle from then. I went to college, I met a lot of guys um, who rapped, um, who sold drugs, um, probably drunk a lot, far too much than what they should have been doing. I was in the same bracket. Um, and I pretty much went from 18 to about 28, from group to group to group, um, hanging around with people who were doing just crazy things, meeting up with women, selling drugs. Obviously, the, the path I was on, trouble with the police. Um, I think I got arrested about seven, eight times. I was in court a couple of times, but most of them were just for stupid, not thinking things, nothing too deep. Um, but it, whether it was for selling, selling weed, I got kicked out of college because I, I got caught with loads of weed and scales and. They, I got handcuffed in college and dragged out, and uh, that was my college over. Um, and, and all the way through that, that period of time, I, saying I had no respect, respect for myself, I suppose when I looked in the mirror, I didn't even like what I was looking at. Um, I can remember my 25th birthday, where I didn't even want to be on this, I didn't even want to be on earth no more. Um, and I can remember, I never did it, I never got to the point where I did it, but I, I certainly had a big pot of pills. And we're, and we're certainly thinking about, could I get away with taking all of them? Would it definitely, you know, kill me? And then I wouldn't have to like go through any craziness in the hospital. I wouldn't even know how much hurt I caused my mum and dad or anything. I could just boom, be gone. Um, and that that was that was at the height of how how low I was feeling, um, where I, those thoughts were coming into my head quite often as well. So that was a wake up call. And then not long after that that happening, I'd found out that. Um, my, my, my girlfriend wasn't being as honest with me as she probably should have been um, and she was seeing someone else so when that happened I kind of in the same month lost my job, my girlfriend, my house, my money, my friends um, and I was back in at my mum's house and it was literally like God had swept the rug from underneath my feet in fourth like that. Um, so, so I was back in at my mum's and um, I was coming to church uh, previously I'd kind of just stayed on the fringes and I, I still was on the fringes as I was coming back um, and someone, someone basically got my phone number and rung me and asked me to come and help paint the arches. Um, it's something I didn't want to do because I was used to, I think my first question was how much do I get paid an hour? Uh, I didn't realise that the arches is, you know, it's not, it's you coming and helping people and whatnot. So after a few weeks of ignoring my phone and kind of fighting it, I did it. Um, and it started a chain of events which has changed my life basically. So, so from, from painting the walls at the, uh, the arches, um, I got invited to join a small group. It was at Nando's, I think, the first time I had 12 people all smiling and you know, really happy that I joined, which was a great feeling. I hadn't felt that accepted for a while. So I was like, I definitely want to come back instantly. Um, and then from that, there was two guys in a small group who had prayed about me and you know, heard a little bit of my story and that I didn't have a job or anything. So they gave me a... Um, an electrician apprentice, uh, apprenticeship, sorry, um, took me on, gave me a good wage um, and just showed belief in me. And then from then, um, Paul Lowe at the time, running DUI, had, uh, had asked if I wanted to do DUI. I did not know what DUI even stood for, but I just said I'm going to do it. Um, and my hours were cut down to accommodate DUI and I was able to do that. And then it was momentum, you know, being baptised and serving at all these places. and. You know, it was just a life-changing experience for me in, in the space of six months. It changed my life, it gave me friends, it gave me like self-confidence again, self-worth, uh, belief, um, hopes, and breakthrough.
so coming back to Trent and discovering all over again Jesus' love for me, I would say it's made me so much more stronger um, and positive, um, optimistic um, at this point in my life and I hope forever it stays that way. And lastly, would you please welcome Marjorie Henderson. Happy birthday to us. You know that young man? I knew him when he was a wee lad. He used to come to my house with his mum to a small group. And you know we speak about God's tapestry. I think it's just wonderful because that's an example. I hadn't seen him in between times and now to see him now, he's just wonderful. Just wonderful. Now, birthday time. I don't know about you, but at birthdays and anniversaries, I find myself enjoying the moment, but also looking back and remembering some big things, some little things, some good and some not so good. My husband David and I came to Trent when we met in the football ground, and there was only a handful of older people in the congregation. Very quickly I was allowed to serve, where I learnt which oilcloth went on which information table, and all the edges had to be even and not to trip on the electric cables. I've had a spell in the ones, alpha, newcomers dinner, arches, etc. We went to the newcomers dinner and very good it was too. But when it came, you know, I'm mean, trying to make a good impression when you go there, don't you, the first time. But when it came to have you any questions, I remember being embarrassed when David asked, if any hymns were ever sung. Slight pause. Then Debbie turned to John. Darling, we do sing hymns, don't we? We do, don't we? Do we? We do, we do, we do, we do, we do, we do. A gentle chat ensued. But we stayed because we found worship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, though I seem to spend the first few weeks in tears. There are wonderful times of worship here, though sometimes I have to put my hands over my ears when it's too loud. <laughs> but it's here that I've heard angels sing with us. Then Trent was on the move, exciting to be part of the giving for a new building, people filling it, and then an extension, and it was seeing God at work in people's lives during the building, seeing new people come in and come to faith, seeing young and not so young coming, wet, quite wet behind the ears, and emerging as potential leaders, seeing new church plants, but having to say goodbye to friends. Just over three years ago, David died this wasn't our plan, and after 50 years together, I miss him. On the night he died, our small group was meeting in our house, and it was such a comfort to be able to cry and pray together. And that's my plug for small groups. You've heard small groups a lot tonight, and it's really good. I was scooped up for a holiday 
and a couple looked after me when I attended my first funeral after David's. David checked, people checked up on me and I experienced God's peace while being unhappy. I'm learning to be single and there have been times when I've had questions which I've been able to chat through with fellow members and leaders. May I say at this point that I find it amazing and fantastic that questions keep coming, as old as I am. But more importantly, answers are found. Just last week, John Bodley was speaking of parables. I like that, and although I've probably heard all of them, there's always something else to learn and sometimes to be surprised to enjoy God. I just want to end with something trivial. While driving, if you have a passenger, you might verbalize the parking situation. You know, can I get in? Is there one? Etc. But I've learned to drive with God in the car, and he made me laugh out loud. On the third, on one day, on a third visit to a particular road, I won't bore you why, but it was near Christmas, I suddenly apologized to God that I only chatted to him when I wanted something. And it was a bit late when I was actually on the street. Being Scots, I don't like paying for parking. <laughs> but there it was, parking in the same place, three times running, and I felt loved. Yes, happy birthday. It's good to be part of this church. I just want to start by thanking the Lord. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your unfailing love. We thank you that you have called every one of us. We thank you that we have been able to be the expression of your love, that we've been able to be the good news, Lord, in so many lives. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to use us. We ask that we will continue to point people to who you are that we would never take the glory for ourselves. This is all about you, Jesus. And I want to pray, and I want you to, in a sense, invite the Holy Spirit to anoint us. I'm going to pray the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi from the 13th century. And this is how he prayed. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred... Let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. <laughs>